Okay, I now turn it over to uh, Mary Ann Bernard, who will introduce our wonderful speaker for today. Thanks, Liz. Um, I'm thrilled to be able to introduce to you Dr. Phyllis Sagano. She's an internationally acclaimed Catholic scholar who has lectured throughout the United States, in Canada, and Europe, and Australia. She's a graduate of Marymount College, Terrytown, New York, and she holds a Ph.D. from the State University of New York at Stony Brook and three master's degrees in communications, literature, and theology. A former Fulbright scholar, she's the author, or edit, author and editor of 15 books in religious studies. Published in 2012, her newest books are Women Deacons, Past, Present, Future, and Women in Ministry, Emerging Questions on the Diaconate. She currently holds a research appointment at Hofstra University, Hampstead, New York. She joins us today to present the case for ordaining women to the diaconate in the Roman Catholic Church, Phyllis Sagano. Well, thank you. Thank you, Marianne. Thank you, Liz. Thanks to everybody there at Future Church who have uh, harnessed this technology. You know, um, I, it's a lot easier than getting on an airplane flying to Australia or Ireland, as I did two weeks ago, uh, to talk to you out there about uh, the ordination of women to the diaconate. <clears throat> I'll be able to take your questions in about 20 minutes or so, uh, but let me, let me put out some, um, some points about this discussion. First of all, we're talking about ordination, uh, but we're talking about ordination to the diaconate, not ordination to the priesthood. And this brings into question, you know, what exactly is ordination? And I think, uh, in my own research, this is where the problem lies. Um, up until the 13th century, uh, people were ordained to, to play a specific role in our churches. Uh, in the around 13th century, ordination uh, became something that imparted a sacred power. It, it imparted the sacred power to confect Eucharist. Now, why is that? Well, basically, it is coincidental with the decline of the diaconate that um, that ordination uh, had itself uh, sacramentally solidified. Uh, people at that time who were ordained to the diaconate, for the most part, were on the path to priesthood. Now, today, in the sacrament of order, or the sacrament of orders, and it's very interesting, in French it's sacrament of order, and in English it's sacrament of orders, the Catholic doctrine teaches that the uh, various degrees, the degrees of priestly participation and the degree of service are each conferred by a sacramental act called ordination. So if you're ordained a priest, it's a sacrament. You're ordained a bishop, it's a sacrament. You're ordained a deacon, it's a sacrament. Okay. Now, when someone is ordained in the sacrament of order, one is ordained to serve in persona Christi. Now, in persona Christi what? In Persona Christi Capitus Ecclesiae, in the person of Christ, the head of the church, that would be the priest or the bishop. In Persona Christi Servi, in the person of Christ, the servant, is the deacon. But let me underscore here, and I think it's a very important point for you to bring uh, to highways, byways, and especially to your bishops, it's not in Persona Jesus, the male human, but in Persona Christi, in Persona Christ, the risen Lord. So the sacramental ordination uh, where the individual is is, uh, is ordained to serve in persona Christi 
is in the person of Christ, the risen Lord. And that becomes very important uh, as we go through. You see, the fathers of the Second Vatican Council actually did discuss the question of women as deacons. Um, now it's only over 50 years ago. Um, and there, there was kind of a split. Uh, there was, for example, one bishop, a Peruvian bishop, who felt, felt that deaconesses should be instituted. And there's an Italian bishop who suggested that the order of deacons be both restored and extended to women. Okay, so the very language of these two fathers, council fathers, frames the current debate. The one spoke of deaconesses who would be instituted or blessed, and the other spoke of the order of deacons being extended to women, that is, the women would also be ordained. Now, as we come to the present, we find that just before the conclave that elected Pope Francis, um, women ro women's roles became very important in the commentary. And in the commentary, there was always an affirmation on women as priests. Uh, for example, uh, Argentinian Cardinal Sandri, uh, who was the prefect of the Congregation for Oriental Churches, said that women had to have a more important role. Okay, And that they can contribute to church life in, in many areas, and I'm quoting him here, which are now in part only open to men. Next thing that happened, a British journal, The Tablet, reported that two German cardinals on their way into the conclave had lined up on the opposite sides of the question. And they lined up on the opposite sides of the question just as the two bishops of Vatican II. Uh, from Mainz, Cardinal Lehmann, uh, who had been the head of the bishops' conference in Germany, said, you know, we've been doing research on the diaconate for decades. The time has come to make a good and binding decision Okay, about ordaining women. On the other side of the street, retired president of the Pontifical Council for Promoting Christian Unity, Cardinal Casper, Cardinal Walter Casper, talked about deaconesses, and he said that these these deaconesses would have a special benediction. Okay, now the buzz continued. In late April of this year, the president of the German Bishops' Conference, Archbishop Zoltich of Freiburg, expressed a willingness to discuss the ordination of women as deacons. And he was talking about the real deal. However, um, about a day later, uh, his spokesman for the Ber German Bishops' Conference said, oh, no, no, he was speaking about blessing, not ordaining uh, women to the diaconate. And it was only his opinion anyway, and it wasn't the opinion of the German Bishops' Conference. Now, these are the two views that color the debate about women in the diaconate. Number one, should women be ordained as deacons? Or number two, should they be instituted or blessed as deaconesses? Now, the argument against the ordination of women as deacons is, goes pretty much as follows. You see, women cannot be priests, therefore women cannot be ordained. Um, and all of this has come really in relatively recent years. Um, you may remember in 1976, uh, a document called Inter in Signores, that ruled against the ordination of women as priests. It came out of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. What it did say, however, is that women um, should become more fully aware of the greatness of their mission, their roles of capital importance for the humanization of society, and the rediscovery of believers of the true face of the Church. So hold that in mind um, as we think about these two arguments that were presented in that document against the ordination of women uh, to the priesthood. One is called the iconic argument. 
Women cannot be ordained because the priest must physically resemble Jesus, and Jesus was male. The second is the argument from authority. Jesus chose only male apostles, and and therefore the church cannot change Jesus' choice. Now, it's important to focus on what else the document says, because it talks about the mission of women. It says women's mission and role is of capital importance, and it says that this mission is for the renewal and humanization of society. And the most important point, in 1976, inter left aside, specifically left aside, the question of readmitting women to the diaconate. Now, in the late 70s, as the diaconate was being restored, Paul VI asked the obvious question, what about women as deacons? Um, You see, the answer is women were ordained as deacons. And one member of the International Theological Commission did some very interesting research. Um, His name is Cipriano Vagagini. His article in Italian is posted on my website and I think on the Future Church website. And this detailed study about the ordination rituals in the early church um, actually showed that there were virtually identical liturgies for both male and female deacons. And the liturgies are are quite clear. Women are being ordained. Now, Vagagini, uh, whose article, actually a group of um, uh, three scholars, uh, has just finished translating, and it will be published, we hope, within the year. Vagagini finds evidence that, that women were actually ordained at the foot of the altar. They were ordained by the bishop alone. They were ordained in the presence of priests they were ordained in the presence of the male and female deacons. And he concludes, and this is a quote from his document, by virtue of the use of the church, women can indeed receive ordination to the order of deacons and not simply to that of readers or subdeacons. That is, what the church has done, the church can do again. Now, Fagagini was for ordained uh, women as deacons, Uh, However, another member of the ITC was, at the time, Joseph Ratzinger. He was against it. Ratzinger seems to have changed his mind over the years. Actually, seven years ago, he said that women should be more included in the governance and ministry of the church. And that's an important thing, because formally speaking, only clerics can have governance and ministry, and deacons, indeed, are clerics. So... Uh, Vagagini's original paper was published uh, as a academic article, and as I said, for 40 years it has uh, it, it stayed there in an academic journal. Come a little more to the present. In 1997, there was an ITC subcommittee that completed, and actually the entire International Theological Commission passed a 17 or 18 page document stating that well, actually stating what Vagagini had already found. That is, what the church has done, the church can do again. Women can be ordained as deacons. It's not a big deal. However, even though that document, and I am told that document was printed, had a number, uh, was ready to go, it would not be signed because the prefect for the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, refused to sign it. In fact, uh, he actually created a new subcommittee, with a new chairman that was to write another document. And so uh, five years later, in 2002, the International Theological Commission issued a huge document, 74 pages, which grew out of the 17- or 18-page document, 
that says, uh, well, basically we don't know. The problem at this point is Rome cannot decide, ordained or not ordained. I am told that they, they, they don't want to say yes, but they can't say no. So, with these caveats in mind, there are three points to take a look at here. Um, what the document that actually came out of Rome said was, number one, deaconesses mentioned in the tradition of the church were not the same as deacons. So they're, they're using a term here, deaconess and deacons. So right away they're, they're saying, well, they, they, they're different. Secondly, that the Sacrament of Holy Orders has two distinct areas. One, the ministries of the bishop and priests, and on the other, the ministry of the deacon. And this is all part of ecclesial tradition. Okay? And it concludes that, therefore, it pertains to the ministry of discernment. This is a quote. It pertains to the ministry of discernment, which the Lord established in his church to pronounce authoritatively on this question. So let's look at each of these. First, the business of deaconesses. Uh, I want to remind you that first and only person in Scripture with the job title deacon is Phoebe. Uh, she was diaconess of the church at Sencre. Um And the early women ministering in diaconal roles were both deacons and deaconesses. Why is this? Well, basically, I think part of it is because uh, of the growth of language. As you know yourselves, some languages have feminine and masculine nouns, and some languages feminize and masculinize nouns. So as the church grew, so did language, and the women who were deacons uh, became, began to be called deaconesses. There's a confusion there because some of the women who were called deaconesses were also the wives of deacons. Anyway, most of the women called to the diaconate at that time ministered to women. And uh, I think that's important and can be used in our favor. Um, and it's also important to note that the International Theological Commission doesn't really underscore the fact that male deacons ministered specifically to men. Uh, and uh, what women deacons did uh, was they, they assisted with anointing and baptism. Some say they assisted in anointing the sick. Uh, some have found that women ordained to the diaconate did not distribute communion at the liturgies, although women um, would carry it to the sick and the homebound. However, any of the distinctions of the places of men and women in the liturgy today really have been overcome. Uh, women serve as lectors and acolytes. Women read scripture in the liturgy. Women serve at the altar, and, and women certainly distribute communion. So, um, some of those objections uh, really have gone away. Secondly, the business of the unity of the sacrament of orders, and the distinction between the ministries of priests and bishops and deacons on the other. Now, Paul the sixth uh, and the Catechism teach that the deacon receives the character of the sacrament of holy orders. Canon law says that the ordained ministries are exercised in persona Christi. But deacons are not sacramentally priests. And we'll come back to that. Third and finally, the ITC document says, quote, it pertains to the ministry of discernment which the Lord established in his church to pronounce authoritatively on this question. So now, that's where we are now. In fact, that's what we're doing now. The, the International Theological Commission actually wrote that this question was up to the discernment of the church. That includes everybody, 
not not just the curial staffers who are producing opinions by the pound, but but all of us. Um, and and it means we read about it and talk about it and pray about it. And I believe demand uh, that the church does something about it. So the question becomes then: Do we need women ordained as deacons? I think we do, and I, I guess you do too. That there's a very deep disconnect between the church's ministries of charity, uh, which are mostly perceived as being done by women, and its laws which are perceived as being levied by men. And you know what it looks like. You know, the men in black say no. Um, You know the issues. I don't need to list them. Um, I do need to affirm, however, that church teaching on these issues is not going to change. But there is no absolute teaching that a woman cannot be ordained to the diaconate. The women of history, whose bishops, number one, ordained them at the foot of the altar, number two, ordained them in the presence of the presbyterate, and men and women deacons. Number three, place stoles over the shoulders of the women. Number number four, authorize them to anoint the baptized. And four, even some have written to anoint the sick and the dying. You know, now we can't we can't transport the details of history to the present. Um, and in fact, history is not dispositive in either direction. But the overwhelming evidence is that they were uh, ordained. And, and if they weren't, so what? Uh, our theology says any Christian except those impeded by law can receive any sacrament. Um, And if the church decides to restore its tradition, um, it it will do so only because it needs women as deacons. And and I believe it does. The women of the church today, consecrated religious and lay women alike, who live Matthew 25, they feed the hungry, they welcome the stranger, they clothe the naked, they visit the imprisoned. They visit the sick. They are doing diaconal work. And they, I believe, would be strengthened in their ministries by the grace of ordination. That is the reasoning of Vatican II in restoring the diaconate as a permanent grade of order. And so, the value of the church universal, therefore, goes well beyond the extravagant witness of sacramentally ordained women. Uh, because these women who minister, the women among us who hold our hands and bless us and listen us and pray pray with us, these women do these things in large part through self-funding. They belong to religious institutes, they work for nonprofits, uh, and they they take care of the needs of the hungry and the outcast and the poor and the imprisoned through self-funding. There's no direct link uh, in too many places in our global church between the Sunday collection plate and the ministry of presence and the ministry of prayer and, and the ministry of proprietary care given by women. Uh, and, and I'm very strong on this. The collection plate that's emptied in uh, and often into the rectory um, has many off, many times little of that collection goes to the community, and I think that's a scandal. Uh, now, there are exceptions. I know about finances, but there has to be a way to connect the Sunday gospel and the Sunday collection plate to the day-by-day personal attention of the people of God. And I think there has to be a better way to get the words of Scripture into into action. So I'm convinced that an answer to rejuvenating the church in the world is to restore women to the diaconate and to restore the ordained diaconate <coughs> to its original tasks, uh, the word, the liturgy, and charity. Okay, the word, what would that mean? It would mean women preaching, the liturgy. It would mean the sacramental witness on the altar, um, charity, it would mean minding the church's treasures. Uh, women as and men would care for the needy from the church's stores. It would mean not incidentally 
women as well as men would oversee and live the diaconal duties of catechizing and baptizing, of teaching and of preaching. And this would mean, really, all over the world, that the parish and the diocese would be known and actually would be caring for the religious and social needs of the community. And I think this would help our church, once again, be an attractive entity for the best and the kindest of the young and of the old. So, And both inside and out the church, outside the church, I do believe the general attitude toward women in the Western Hemisphere would be enhanced if the church would publicly state through returning to its tradition that women are indeed made in the image and likeness of Christ. That's the crux of the problem, you know, in persona Christi. But we're not talking about priesthood. The diaconate grew from the synagogue. Diaconate did not grow from the temple. So the diaconate is the ministry of and by the church. And those first seven were called by the apostles, not by Christ. So there's no problem of authority. That is, the church has the authority to restore women to the diaconal ministry. But then there comes upon us again the iconic argument, and it's lately being applied by a few theologians. Of course, women can be deaconesses, they say, so long as you understand they can't be sacramentally ordained. Why? Well, the answer that they're not so publicly stating is that women cannot image Christ. But that's what the the argument means. Women are not made in the image and likeness of God. Women are defective matter. Women cannot be sacramentally ordained. And there are three theologians who support this argument that women cannot be sacramentally ordained because of the iconic argument. And they apply it that that because women can't be ordained as priests, they therefore can't be ordained as deacons. The three are Sarah Butler, uh, missionary sister of the Most Blessed Trinity, a Chicago seminary professor, and a member of the International Theological Commu- uh, Commission. Manfred Hauck, who's a Mariologist, um, and um, uh, Gerhard Mueller, who is prefect of the uh, the uh, Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. The problem: the people in power, okay, hold for deaconesses a blessed blessed status for women. Scholarship and activists hold for deacons, women ordained to the diaconate. The question is, what do the people of God want? What do the people of God need? You see, my argument is that what the church has done, the church can do again, and I join Vagagini in that. There's no agreement. There's no understanding, I think, in large sectors of the church that not ordaining women sends a marked negative signal around the world regarding the equal humanity of the female gender. That, to me, is the bottom line. So, hope is the promise of things asked for. I would urge you very much to take this topic to your classrooms and to your blogs, to your parishes and your bishops, and talk about it. Uh, The good folks at Future Church know far better than I how to be an activist. Uh, And I would, would simply ask you to act Uh, I just came back from Ireland. There's a great deal of interest in Ireland. When I was in Australia last year, there's a great deal of interest in Australia. But I think America is the leader in all of this, and I just hope that that all of you um, will will do something. Um, Anyway, we can take your questions now. I, I have one question from someone from Voice of the Faithful. She, she, she asks, um, why, she says, I licked my chops when reading the Zagano statement on connecting the dots 
if a soup kitchen director then gave a homily on serving the poor, why does it ring so true? Because the deacon would be a clear arm of mission or simply because people give more gravitas to the um, opinion of someone willing to get hands dirty. I, I think I think both of these um, both of these uh, points are true. Um, the deacon is uh, is to be the uh, the agent of the of the bishop. That is that is what the deacon did. Uh, the woman deacons in ancient in the ancient church was actually the go between the the lady who needed help and the bishop. And uh, now, if you have a woman standing there. Uh, actually representing all of us on behalf of all of us that's that's one part but also you know i want to hear somebody who does something speak preach i want to hear the deacons preaching uh, because the deacons at least in 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 truth if not in reality are the ones who get their hands dirty anyway i'm sure there are other questions out there and and i guess liz um referees all this i try to um would you would like to ask a question you need only to press star six, and then begin speaking. We've got plenty of time, so don't be shy. And thank you, Phyllis. That was a fabulous presentation. We know you're out there. Hello? Yes. Hello. Okay, my question has to do you with... tell me who you are? I'm sorry. This is Nancy Lawrence from New York City. Um, I go to Xavier... And we do see women preaching uh, at Xavier now and then. Um, but my question really has to do with uh, were we to have women deacons and they, re- they are responsible to the bishop, what then is the relationship to the parish priest and parish? Well, thank you, Nancy. I, I, um, the deacon is a cleric, like any other cleric in the diocese. And the the cleric is bound um, to obedience and respect for the bishop if that person is a sec- what's called a secular cleric. So in in that respect, the the individual uh, deacon then assigned to the parish would be very much like um, an in the same juridical structure as an as an associate pastor. Um, the the deacon would be working for the pastor and would be uh, separately uh, bound to obedience to the bishop, so that if the bishop decided that this particular woman um, deacon belonged down the road instead of at St. Francis Xavier, uh, the bishop could move that person. So the, the relationship is is um, is twofold. Um, if you think of your pastor as the bishop of your parish, then it becomes easier to think about the role of the of the bishop of the deacon. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? I hear water pouring. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Oh, <clears throat> Phyllis, this is Rita Houlihan uh, from New York City, and um, I, <clears throat> I'm very interested to hear you comment on the three uh, theologians who publicly you know, espouse this iconic argument, which basically says that women are defective, which um, echoes, to me, Augustine's and Thomas Aquinas' views, as well as Aristotle's. Um, but that's another story. Um, I, uh, I have a feeling that there are many more, and they just maybe aren't as public. 
Um, but have there been any uh, prominent theologians who have um, issued, you know, like direct um, challenges uh, to this? And are, is it really only three? Um, and they, they they just simply happen to be, and or not happen that they were chosen, obviously most likely by Ratzinger and people he appointed. Um, is it just they happen to be in such one big positions of power? That this is still let me so let me back up a little bit, if yeah. I may, Rita. Thank you for your question. The iconic argument was in the 1976 document against women as priests. It was dropped mm-hmm. in 1994 uh, from that argument. It so did the drop. iconic argument mm-hmm. has been was dropped about 20 years ago. Okay. About about um, I would say five six years ago. Uh, well, more than that, but five or six years ago, the book was published that. Uh, Ratzinger or Pope Benedict asked Sarah Butler to write, and that's about the ordination of of women as priests. Why women cannot be priests? He asked her to write this book as a uh, seminary textbook. Uh, and I know Sarah Butler; I respect her, uh, and we've chatted. And uh, suddenly, about two years ago, she uh, published a document, or published an article in a journal in Scotland. Um, basically attacking the concept of women to be ordained as deacons based on her discussion of the iconic argument against women as priests. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was it was rather a surprise. Uh, last year at the Catholic Theological Society of America meeting in uh, St. Louis, uh, she was on a panel with me and with uh, Deacon Bill Deitwig, chaired by... Uh, Dr. Susan Wood, the chairman at Marquette, uh, and she argued very strongly against, uh, through the iconic argument, against the ordination of women as deacons. Now, um, after that session, there were many, I mean, many prominent sacramental theologians, one of whom said she could drive a truck through Sarah Butler's theology. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that it just caught us all by surprise because the argument has been discarded. It's quite offensive, um, and it's it's not necessary. And uh, no one really has thought that much about it. Uh, Elizabeth Johnson has, has uh, certainly done her work on it, and she's well known for saying this is what Jesus looks like, this is what the risen Christ looks like. Mm-hmm. Normand Provencher at the uh, University of St. Paul in Ottawa, wrote uh, almost 30 years ago a paper about uh, the sacraments of our church being signs and symbols of the risen Christ. Mm-hmm. And that is really what the under underlying uh, concept is. Sarah Butler talks about a, quote, feminine typology of Mary for women who would be blessed and not ordained to the diaconate. And, and I, I, she just mixes it all up. I, I uh, responded to her in the Scottish Journal um, she has responded. Uh, I have written a response, which may appear in a different journal, and I understand that I'm being invited to respond again in the Scottish Journal. Uh, but, but the the iconic argument is just bad all over uh, mm-hmm. because you to to say that that a, an individual, a human being, does not image the risen Christ is just just awful. I mean, it's it's our theology that we are all made in the image and likeness of God. And I think the confusion is that uh, the iconic argument is thought to mean that the priest must image the male Jesus. 
but our theology says that it's in persona Christi, uh, mm-hmm. and in persona Christi is the risen Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Phyllis, this is Louise Akers. Hi. Cincinnati, Ohio. Hi. Hi. Um, thank you for the description of the evolution of all of this. And I'm thinking as I'm listening to you and to the other uh, participants, what do you think or do you foresee any kind of like breaking point with regard to the uh, hierarchy of the church and the institutional teaching? Uh, because it seems like the, quote, arguments uh, from both uh, tradition and currently uh, do indeed favor women deacons. And so how can how do you see them either continuing their strong resistance or having it these arguments open them up to a new way of thinking or is that an impossible dream i don't well i no dream is impossible i think you know louise that um the election of of pope francis i think has given a new freedom to the church we don't know what he's going to do, but I think there is a new freedom in discussing matters, a new freedom in people uh, speaking out, uh, a new freedom in in, dis- in in just trying to understand what what can better serve serve our church. The problem, and I was told this years ago, I guess almost 20 years ago now, by my old boss John Cardinal O'Connor, that the problem with women as deacons was they could not figure out how you could ordain a woman a deacon and not ordain her a priest. And I remember one day sitting in the residence and said, but your eminence, I'm not allowed to talk about women as as priests. And he said, <laughs> I said, well, what do you bring it up for? He says, that's very good. Make that point four in your book. So, you know, if if they argue, if they argue that to ordain a woman a deacon means that you can therefore ordain a woman as a priest, okay, you're right, I'm wrong. But what I say is that we know women can be ordained, but we also know that the church does not believe it has the authority to ordain women to the priesthood. So if you believe, Your Eminence, what the church teaches, that you don't have the authority to ordain women to the priesthood, what is your problem about women as priests? Uh, excuse me, what is your problem about women as deacons? And um, the, see, the authority, the authority argument is very important because to effect a sacrament, you have to do as the church does. You can't both do what you want to do, uh, which would be ordaining a woman as a priest, and also do as the church does. So ordaining a woman as a priest, you've distanced yourself from the church. The term they use, of course, is excommunication, latte sententiae. Um, there are various discussions over whether those individuals are actually ordained as priests, but in any event, they're not ordained as Catholic priests in union with the Catholic Church. But getting back to the diaconate, um, there, there should be no problem if there is a clear understanding of what canon law and theology have consistently taught. That is, that the, the ordination to the priesthood uh, uh, gives a, a sacred power whereas the ordination to the diaconate is the ordination to the ministry of service. In, in as you say, Pope Francis's uh, election, it certainly has hopefully uh, opened up more areas. But when I think of his address 
to the International uh, Women Religious Leadership and how he views women, um, which is, as Rita mentioned prior to this, the underlying uh, theology of all this is, I think, the inferiority of the subservience of women. And it seems to me that Francis at least has indicated in this area uh, that he is a believer. Well, we are talking about a 76-year-old man with a limp. Uh, I think that uh, nothing's going to change overnight. Um, I would question who his writer is. Um, I would qu- there are some of the things that he has done that he simply says, no, that's ridiculous. Uh, I would point to the washing of the feet of the of yeah. the two yeah. girls. But no Jesuit provincial is going to do anything in the first 100, year, 100, 100 uh, days. So I, I think it's a little early still to see him doing anything other than what he uh, has done in terms of the uh, Union of International Superiors General meeting in Rome earlier in May. um He's still a Jesuit provincial, and I think uh, he may not have had, or he still was a Jesuit provincial, he may not have had the the opportunity to take a look at all the discussion that was going on. I would read, I would read his arguments about obedience as his misunderstanding uh, the distinction between apostolic or religious life for women and the diaconate. Because the woman as deacon would be bound in that kind of obedience to the bishops that they are all talking about, whereas the apostolic religious, um, certainly any, any, well, not any consecrated woman, but the apostolic religious and, and the contemplative and the monastic religious have as their first obedience to their, um, to their general superiors. So, uh, and I, I wrote an article somewhere called Looking, looking, for, um, looking for Nuns Finding Women Deacons, you know, that uh, when I parse the discussion of the apostolic visitation as well as the discussion about the investigation and ultimate takeover attempt at LCWR, uh, the language they are using is the language of authority for clerics. Uh, It's not really the language of authority of religious obedience. I I would make that distinction, and I will look at his his article, his his, uh, talk again. And thank you for bringing that up. Thank you, Phyllis. Phyllis, this is um, Liz. I have a question. Um, you make reference um, in many of your materials to how um, the church has the authority to ordain women as deacons, and I'm just wondering if you could speak for a moment to um, how simple it really would be and who would be able to make that move. Well, you, you said in your in your introduction, if there are any bishops out there interested in ordaining a woman as a deacon, you know, give you a call. It's not quite how it works. The deacon has a particular relationship to the diocesan bishop. And in fact, in today's liturgies, only the diocesan bishop uh, ordains the woman to the diaconate, or ordains, ordains a deacon, excuse me. Um, in, other, in other ordination liturgies to the priesthood, uh, it would be the, uh, the diocesan bishop uh, and the auxiliary bishops, and actually all the presbyters lay hands on the, uh, the ordinand, on the priest being ordained. Uh, for bishops, you need uh, three bishops to ordain a, a bishop. But the deacon is ordained only by the diocesan bishop. Now, in 1995, the Canon Law Society of America 
presented a document that said really it would just be a derogation from the law, a waiver from the law, uh, which would be Canon 102.4, that says only a male is validly ordained. Now, why is that so easy? Well, basically because the history of Canon 102.4 really only goes back to the ordination of, of the priest, uh, people to the priesthood. People who were ordained after, uh, really around and up and since the 13th century, people ordained to the diaconate are assumed to be on the path to priesthood. Uh, and it's only in the last uh, 30 or 40 years or so that the theology of the diaconate as a separate permanent order has come back uh, to our church. You know, they tried to do this discussion, um, have this discussion at Trent, and it was voted down. Uh, but it finally got through at the Second Vatican Council, and so the diaconate was restored um, with a couple of documents, one of them at Pacendum in 1972. Um, but that, that's really, it, it's, it's easy, but it's hard, because they've uh, put up a bunch of laws against it. It's now a, um, a grave de delict uh, to ordain or participate in the ordination of a woman, um, there have been various documents coming out from various dicasteries or, or staff offices of the Curia, saying don't uh, don't prepare women uh, for the diaconate because we don't want to ordain them. Uh, so it's it's easy, but it's it's not that easy. Phyllis, this yeah. is Robin Senior from Long Island. Can I ask Hi. a question? Sure. Okay. Two things. One, I, I just had a question. Did you say that prior to the 13th century, the deacon was linked to the priesthood or was not linked to the priesthood? No, it's not. I mean, okay. it became. It became. It became after the 13th century. It became. It became between the 11th and 13th century. The diaconate became subsumed into the course of orders uh, leading towards the priesthood. The priesthood arrogated into itself the duties of the deacon. I mean, that's basically what happened. But in the early church, uh, almost there's, there's some incredible number, like 64, bishop, 64 deacons were named pope. Um, it, it was almost easier to become a bishop if you were a deacon in the early church than, to be, than if you were a priest. Um, but it's between the 11th and 13th century that the diaconate is almost subsumed into the priesthood. Okay, my other question is that I spoke to a priest once who I, I was talking to him about the Vagagini article, and he said, yes, but Vagagini was a liturgist, and just because there were liturgies that ordained women to the diaconate didn't mean that it was canonically correct. So I'm just curious what you... Well, the Mainz Pontifical in 1962 is the latest Western liturgy that had... Um, uh, that had uh, vestiges of the ordination ceremony of women to the diaconate in the West. Um, Egbert of York um, had a liturgy in his pontifical, in his missal, to ordain women to the diaconate. Whether I don't understand what he's talking about. When we say there are liturgies, we say these liturgies are in um, books of liturgies, they're in pontificals, they're in the Vatican Library, um, so, and talking about canonically correct, I mean, is he talking about before or after Gresham? I would say he probably um, uh, is mixed up on the effect of the uh, intent of the ordaining bishop. And if a bishop intends to ordain and is in union with the whole church, then that person is ordained. 
Okay. There, thank there, you. you know, there, there's some, there's one, I can't quite think of it, but there's one, there's one document, I guess it's almost 3rd, 4th, 5th, 4th century, uh, where a bishop says, well, yeah, I ordain women to the diaconate, but, but I don't let them go into the next fellow's diocese because he doesn't ordain women to the diaconate. I mean, this, this was not a, a static practice across the church. And uh, there are plenty of local councils where they rule against ordaining women to the diaconate. Well, if they're ruling against it, well, you know someone's been doing it. But there are also <laughs> pontifical letters um, giving permission. The Bishop of Porto in the 11th, uh, 11th century, there are something like three popes wrote to the Bishop of Porto saying, yes, you can ordain women to the diaconate. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Phyllis, this is Ann. Can I ask a quick question? It, this is just theoretical, but should Francis pick up a pen and somehow try to justify law and practice by changing canon law to open up the possibility for a bishop to ordain women to the diaconate? What would happen to theologians? Would the theologians who are so opposed to it now suddenly open up and justify what he had done? I think I think the three I named would, uh, if 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 they, uh, I mean, what would be what would be the harm if they argue that yes, you can bless deaconesses and ordain women as deacons? See, see, when they describe their so-called blessing of deaconesses, what they are describing are the installation ceremonies used, for example, in in the uh, Archdiocese of Chicago for lay ecclesial ministers. So I'm arguing that when they talk about blessing deaconesses, they're really using different language to talk about ecclesi- lay ecclesial ministers, and that we are speaking here about the ordination of women as deacons. So I, I don't think it would be... Uh, I think what would happen would be, or what should happen, and uh, we had an earlier question that kind of brought this to my mind. Um, If a bishop's conference um, asks for the derogation, the permission, the waiver from the law to ordain women to the diaconate, it would then be up to every individual bishop, every individual bishop in his diocese, to decide whether he needs women as deacons, and then up to his uh, training and and selection processes to actually ordain them. Uh, This would go country by country, conference by conference. I think that uh, uh, what Francis would do is he would would field uh, the request and do it at experimentum, uh, as an experiment. Uh, Let a country, you know... If if some bishop wakes up in Samoa someday and says, I'm stuck, I absolutely need to ordain women as deacons, and writes to Rome, and Rome says, yeah, sure, what do we care? Uh, I, I, I do think that is the way it will happen, but the only way it will happen is for the people of God to let the bishops know and explain to them uh, what it looks like not to have women ordained, what it looks like not to have women on the altar vested. Uh, not talk, and I am not talking about Sunday dress-up women. I'm talking about women who actually do the work, uh, and then go and and sacrament, are present at the sacrament, representing um, the people of God and 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 participating in the liturgy. Uh, that that's the kind of symbolic witness, and I think that symbolic witness, that argument that women indeed are made in the image and likeness of the risen Christ, is what our our world needs. 
what our world needs. If the Catholic Church comes out and says women are made in the image and likeness of Christ in this way, uh, in the image and likeness of God, that they represent Christ in this manner, you know, then what happens to uh, dowry burnings? Then, then what happens to uh, female genital mutilation? Then what happens to the killing of um, of girl uh, girl babies uh, in in uh, in China? Uh, there's so much disrespect for women around the world, and I think this is an opportunity for the the Catholic Church to uh, support what it says about the value of all human life. All right, Phyllis, thank you so much. Um, if you've enjoyed what you heard here today, Phyllis will be uh, engaging in three speaking appearances this fall, um, one September 20th to 21st at the Wisdom House Retreat and Conference Center in Litchfield, Connecticut, um, www.wisdomhouse.org for more information. It'll be Friday and Saturday. Also, October 13th, she'll be at the St. Thomas More Chapel at Yale University in New Haven, Connecticut at 6.30 p.m. On October 23rd, she will be at Boston College in Chestnut Hill, Mass. at 5.30. Thank you so much, Phyllis. Thank you.